Tom, welcome. Glad to have you here. Oh, thank you for having me. And one of the reasons that you're here is because it's nice to know that there are people here in Northeast Pennsylvania who are doing things that maybe we don't realize that they're even from here. You are a writer, an author. How did you get involved in deciding that this is something you wanted to do? Well, my parents always told me stories when I was a kid, and I always found them very interesting. And and it's funny, they instilled the want to be a writer in me. And when I went to them, I was probably 17 or 18 years old, and said to them, I wanted to be a writer. And they kind of laughed at it and said, no, that's not something you'll ever make money at. Um, you need to go to school, get an education. And so it's. I always found it cute that they they were the ones that instilled the writing want in me and then said, not a good idea. So. Give us a little bit of your background. You're a Northeast Pennsylvania resident. Right. Uh, born and raised in Scranton, uh, one of eight children. I was educated in the Scranton School District and went to the University of Scranton. So when you went on, or even when you were in high school, did you do any type of dabbling? I I was always writing a little bit, notes here and there, poems here and there, but um, nothing. I don't know if I ever really considered it until one day I wrote something for a school project, and I wasn't that great a student. But when I wrote something and I got an A for it, it kind of said, okay, I think that's really what I want to do. So it's the one thing I was good at. So again, it was one of those things where you're starting out and you don't really have a plan, but it was kind of that you fell into it. Now, what about in college? Did you there? Well, yeah, I went to the University of Scranton and I had a creative writing course. Uh, I was a psychology major, actually, um, but I had a course with uh, Rory, Rory Giovannucci. Yes. You, you know Rory? Oh, yes. Um, great guy. And... He made a comment about one of my writing projects, and he said, there's not much I can teach you. You already know how to write. So I always carried that with me. Oh, that's a nice way to start out. Yeah. (laughs) Now, let's talk a little bit then how you went into, because you have one book published, Mm -hmm. and how did that come about? Well, I was actually, I was working as a hotel manager, and I had some health issues, which forced me into an early retirement. And as I was sleeping, the story kept going on in my head to the point where I couldn't sleep. So I get up that morning, it was probably 4 a.m., I went down to my computer and I started typing. It was probably two days later when I stepped away from my computer and went, wow, there was a story there. And it just kept coming even after I did that. And it took me about a year to write the whole thing, but the story kept coming in my head. It was like a voice that was telling me the whole story, and I was just dictating. Wow. So it was, it was an incredible experience, really. That is, that is incredible because, again, you think that when people sit down to write, at least I, I think they research and they start to do things. But yours was just more of a flow of consciousness. Yes. Now, as I wrote it and went into the rewrite of it, I had to do some rewriting, um, some researching and cleaning things up here and there um, to get more accurate information because it's based in the early 1900s so, and it's in this area. So I wanted to know quite a bit more about the, uh, the area and the special things about uh, Wilkes-Barre and Scranton 
in the early 1900s. Is it something that when you, you said that you just started having this going through your head and going through your head, it, it, where did it come from? I don't know. Really? Honestly, I wish I could tell you, but I don't know. It was like a voice that was just telling me the story. Well, that's one of the reasons that I like to have local folks who um, have been able to follow what they would like to do, because you're a perfect example then. Someone has an idea, and you tell them, follow it. Yeah, follow it, always. Um, I joined up with a writer's group after I published the book, because I needed to get better at what I was doing. And who better to learn from than other writers? And it was a Northeast Pennsylvania writers group, a very nice group, meet over at the Taylor uh, uh, Library every other Wednesday. And I learned so much from them that as I continued to write, I found my writing getting better and better. My short stories were crisper. They had better ideas, better characters. Um, one uh, gentleman in the group was very good at writing dialogue, which maybe wasn't something I really learned how to do. And... I got so much better just from learning from them. So if I was to suggest anything to new writers, get with other writers. Learn from each other. That's, uh, that's a great way to get better at your, your art, your craft. See, and that's another one of those things where I didn't even realize something like that existed. Well, there are quite a few actually in the area, and that's the one that I hooked up with. Oh, that's great. Now, I, again, let's go back a little bit. When you first started, you were talking about high school and college, and that was long before all of the social networking and internet and all that. Absolutely true. So, what happened? You know, you made this transition now, and and it must have it must have helped. Yeah, um, actually, right after high school, I worked for a bi-monthly tabloid, um, and that was the first time I got anything published, and I thought that was going to be it. And then life took me in other directions. So it took me a long time to get back to what I really needed to be doing. And once I got started, uh, I just haven't stopped. So so now you also mentioned short stories. Mm-hmm. Were they yes. published or are they? Uh, I've had uh, two short stories published. I've had a few poems published. So, so it's, it's so slow. It, it's not an easy business. There is... No easy answer to getting published. Right. You just have to put yourself out there and keep trying. They say that you have to put in 100 queries uh, to get one exception. Wow. And that's the business. really is. Wow. Um, unless you're an established author, it's not easy. Well, let's talk about your book because, right. again, that one is published. It's hardcover, and it looks – I mean, it's not, it's not a small book. <laughs> so a lot of a lot of work went into it. What's the basis of, of it? Um, it follows. It chronicles the um, Irish family, uh, their time in Ireland, and how they journeyed to the United States and settled in New York City for a little while. But the fates kind of pushed them into northeastern Pennsylvania, where they settled in a small mining town called Ashley. Oh, yeah. that sounds familiar. Um, the family um, as Again, as the fates took it, time takes its toll until there's only one left to the family, and that's Rose. And the rest of it, you're going to have to read the book. (laughs) (laughs) What's the name of it? It's Black Rose. Black Rose. Yes. So that could mean many connotations as in evil, as in um, there was the, the... 
the uh, shanty Irish. There was the black Irish there. So I can see where the Northeast Pennsylvania comes in here. Yes. And because it's set in the early 1900s, there are historical sites that I mentioned. The Uber Calorie is, uh, actually is in the shadow of the Uber Calorie, or it was. Um, the Hotel Sterling, which is there's a nice scene with a uh, Christmas party uh, at the Hotel Sterling back when it was a popular place to be. Uh, and things like that. The um, the trolley rides from Scranton to Rocky Glen. Absolutely. Um, and some people don't even know this, that there was once a, uh, a robbery on the, uh, the trolley in the 1920s. Uh, the miners used to travel with their payroll on the trolley. And some disgruntled ex-employees decided they were going to steal the payroll. Oh. A few people were shot. They jumped off the trolley somewhere around what we, we would call Davis Street now. Yes. Grabbed a, uh, got into a car, abandoned the car in Old Forge. Um, they were, a few of them were caught up to in Ohio. And the one uh, criminal said, you're not going to take me alive. He put the gun in his mouth <gasps> and blew out the side of his face. Oh. He didn't kill himself. Oh. He was electrocuted later on, though. So. Wow, and that's a true story. That's a true story, yes, and that's in the book. And that that must have taken a little bit of, because I've never heard that one before. Took a little bit of research, and I went down to the trolley museum. They were very helpful, and everything I wanted to do, they were very helpful. That's amazing. So, yeah, so and researching even the way the tracks ran out to Hoboken, um, things like that, they were very helpful with helping me get the background correct. I didn't even know the Charlie tracks went all the way to Hoboken. They did. I know. Yeah. I know definitely Rocky Glen, but I uh, didn't no, not know the Charlie tracks. Not the train. To oh, the Hoboken. the train. About the train to Hoboken. Oh, okay. But they helped me with all of all the information that I needed for background. See, and it's all, and I hate to use the cliche, but it's it's all here in our own backyard. Oh, yes. The the there's such a rich history here. Uh, like I said, I've grown up here. I have left the area a few times, but there's something about here that's comfortable to me. I'm always going to be from northeastern Pennsylvania, no matter where I go. That's where I'm from. Wow. And it, when um, when you talk about your book, if someone would like to, because I, I think knowing people from northeast Pennsylvania who have gotten in contact with, with me uh, through this program that we're doing today are always interested in history, in mining, in preserving history. How would someone be able to get a hold of your book? Okay, you can get it at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or through the publisher's site, AuthorHouse.com. Great. And occasionally I have a couple of copies that I sell. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would hope... i busy, though. <laughs> so what's next? What's next? I, I've been working the sequel. Uh, I know it's a long time coming. It's been four years since this came out. But there are so many people that are looking for the sequel. It's not as easy a task as uh, you would think. And I do have another book that I'm working on also that's a little further along, and hopefully that will be going to a publisher soon. Um, I'm going to try and market it and get an agent and get it sold, hopefully are, very soon. Are you keeping along the same lines now with the, with the second book as with, sticking along with local history? With the sequel, yes. And what about the other book that oh, you're... Oh, no, that's, that's a little bit different. Oh, uh, sneak peek? Um, it's uh, sci-fi... Uh, with a twist to it. Let's put it that way. 
Oh, I've intrigued. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, it is a great story to write. And that's the one thing when, I'm, when I am writing a story, and it's a very good story, I really enjoy it. And there's so much pleasure I get out of creating the characters. And one thing I found interesting with Black Rose, when I had to kill characters off, <gasps> they had become friends of mine as I was developing the story. So when they had to die, it was hard for me. Oh. So I, find it, I find it tough. How do you write? Um. Well, that's an interesting question. I just sit down and I go. The thoughts come into my head and I just type away. Are you at a Are you at a computer stationary? Are you at a beach? Are you? Uh... I I can do it anywhere, but usually I do it in my apartment. I just sit and I. And if you get an idea, you immediately put it to paper. I'm most of the time, and if I'm not um, near my computer, I usually keep a notepad or something around that I'll write little notes in, uh, jot down. I remember. Um, waiting for someone I had to take them for a doctor's exam and sitting in the waiting room and wrote probably seven or eight pages while I was sitting there because the thought came to me and I just started writing. See, now, isn't that amazing? Here you are sitting in a doctor's waiting room next to someone who has no idea that you're crafting a a novel right next to them. I I think I wrote part of a chapter to Black Rose sitting in a doctor's office. That is awesome. It's just a matter of if it comes to you, you don't want to let it get away. So get it down on paper. And you may look at it later and go, oh, that's not so good. But it might be it might be a gem. So you don't want to let it get away. Strike while the iron's hot. Right. Tom, Sarah, author, once again, tell us how we can get a hold of your book. Okay. Or, or is there a way that folks can get a hold of you if they would have some questions? You can always uh, find me via email at uh, TAC130B at gmail.com. Okay. And, and the book again? And I'm on Facebook. The book is Black Rose, and it's available through Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and the publisher's site, AuthorHouse.com. Can't wait. We're going to have to have you back again. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.